it's actually possible to live a life where you don't stress about money. Welcome to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303 and We are a team of four non-financial advisors who are exploring a revolutionary new financial approach that goes beyond money to prioritize your emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. Through weekly meetings and engaging podcasts, we strive to help you improve all aspects of your well-being as well as ours. Come join us on this journey of growth and self-improvement because at 303 and we believe true wealth extends beyond dollars and cents. Happy learning. Hey guys, welcome back to Learn With Us. I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. This week, Juan and Alita are going to go over Chapter 7, The Walls of Babylon. You won't hear much from Connor or myself because we took a little vacation. And with that, I'm going to let Juan take it away. The Walls of Babylon. This was a weird chapter because it, it it's like a standalone and it's super short. I think the author was trying to make it so that Babylon... Well, we'll see as we go along. Let's start reading. He goes, it starts with Old Banzar, dream warrior of another day, stood guard at the passage leading to the top of the ancient walls of Babylon. <clears throat> Up above, valiant defenders were battling to hold the walls. Upon them... Depended the future existence of this great city with his with its hundreds of thousands of citizens. Over the walls came the roar of the attacking armies, the yelling of many men, the trampling of thousands of horses, the deafening boom of the battering rams pounding the bronze gates. In the street behind the gate lounged the spearmen, waiting to defend the entrance should the gates give way. They were they were but few for the task. The main armies of Babylon were there, were with their king, far away in the east on the great expedition against the Elamites. No attack upon the city having been anticipated during their absence, the defenses for the defending forces were small. So the king left the city and he didn't think nobody was going to attack it. So he took most of the army. Unexpectedly from the north bore down the mighty armies of the Assyrians, and now the walls must hold or Babylon was doomed. About Bansar were great crowds of citizens, white-faced and terrified, eagerly seeking news of the battle. With hushed awe, they viewed the stream of wounded and dead being carried or led out of the passageway. Here was the crucial point of attack. After three days of circling about the city, the enemy had suddenly thrown his great strength against this section and this gate. The defenders from the top of the wall fought off the climbing platforms and the scaling ladders of the attackers with arrows, burning oil, and, if any reached the top, spears. Against the defenders, thousands of the enemy's archers poured a deadly barrage of arrows. Old Bansar had the vantage point for news. He was closest to the conflict and first to hear of each fresh repulse of the frenzied attackers. An elderly merchant crowded close to him, his palsied hands quivering. Tell me, tell me, he pleaded. They cannot get in. My sons are with the good king. There is no one to protect my old wife, my goods. They will steal all. My food, they will leave nothing. We are old, too old to defend ourselves, too old for slaves. We shall starve. We shall die. Tell me they cannot get in. So now the the setting was established. Babylon was being attacked. There was a lot of people who were not, who didn't know what was going on. And there was this one guard. He was... He was an older soldier, so he wasn't fighting, but <clears throat> he was keeping keeping the order, I guess. And then to him, people from different people from Babylon start approaching him. So here, I think it's the um, we can see the author trying. I don't know if he's using metaphor. The whole 
the whole chapter is a metaphor, but within it, there's more metaphor. And you can see Babylon, in a way, represents each one of us. And in this case, Babylon would be us and our family. Well, would be us if we left and we didn't leave anything for our families after we were too old and retired. Mm-hmm. Like, because this guy, they were old. They didn't know. They didn't have anything. They were not ready, so they were not prepared for for that old age. For yeah. the old age. It almost sounds like someone that's constantly worried about what they're gonna do next. Like if you don't have your finances set aside. So the guy says, calm thyself, good merchant. The guard responded, the walls of Babylon are strong. Go back to the bazaar and tell your wife that the walls will protect you and all of your possessions as as safely as they protect the rich treasures of the king. Keep close to the walls, lest the arrows flying over strike you. Guard bazaar, Banzar says, tells him, look, don't worry because we we prepared for this kind of um, situation. So you shouldn't worry. Looks like the guy believed him because he left. Then a woman with a babe in arms took the old man's place as he withdrew. Sergeant, what news from the top? Tell me truly that I may reassure my poor husband. He lies with fever from his terrible wounds, yet insists upon his armor and his spear to protect me. Who am I who am with child? Terrible, he says, will be the vengeful lust of our enemies should they break in. Be thou of good heart, thou mother, that is and is again to be. The walls of Babylon will protect you and your babes. They are high and strong. Hear ye not the yells of our valiant defenders as they empty the cauldrons of burning oil upon the ladder scalers? Yes, that do I hear, and also the roar of the battering rams that do hammer at our gate. Back to thy husband. Tell him the gates are strong and withstand the rams. Also, that the scalers climb the walls, but to receive the waiting spear thrust. Watch thy way and hasten behind you buildings. Banzar stepped aside to clear the passage for heavily armed reinforcements. As with clanking bronze shields and heavy tread, they tramped by a small girl plucked at his girdle. Tell me, please, soldier, are we safe? She pleaded. I hear the awful noises. I see the men all bleeding. I am so frightened. What will become of our family, of my mother, little brother, and the baby? The grim old campaigner blinked his eyes and thrust forward his chin as he beheld the child. Be not afraid, little one, he reassured her. The walls of Babylon will protect you and mother and little brother and the baby. It was for the safety of such as you, you that the good queen Semiramis built them over a hundred years ago. Never have they been broken through. Go back and tell your mother and little brother and the baby that the walls of Babylon will protect them and they need have no fear. Day after day, old Banzar stood at his post and watched the reinforcements file up the passageway, there to say and fight until wounded or dead they came down once more. Around him unceasingly crowded throgs of frightened citizens eagerly seeking to learn if the walls would hold. To all he gave his answer with the fine dignity of an old soldier, the walls of Babylon will protect you. For three weeks and five days the attack waged with scarcely ceasing violence. Harder and grimmer set the jaw of Banzar, as the passage behind with the blood of the many wounded, was turned into mud by the never-ceasing streams of men passing up, staggering down. Each day the slaughtered attackers piled up in heaps before the wall. Each night they were carried back and burned by their comrades. Upon the fifth night of the fourth week, the clamor without dimished. The first streaks of daylight illuminating the plains 
disclosed great clouds of dust raised by the retreating armies. A mighty shout went up from the defenders. There was no mistaking its meaning. It was repeated by the waiting troops behind the wall. It was echoed by the citizens upon the street. It wept over the city with the violence of a storm. People rushed from the houses. The streets were jammed with the throbbing mob. The pent-up fear of weeks found an outlet in the wild chorus of joy. From the top of the high tower of the Temple of Bell burst forth the flames of victory. Skyward floated the column of blue smoke and carrying the passage far and wide. The walls of Babylon had once again repulsed a mighty and vicious foe determined to loot her rich treasures and to ravish and enslave her citizens. Babylon endured century after century because it was fully protected. It could not afford to be otherwise. The walls of Babylon were an outstanding example of man's need and desire for protection. This desire is inherited in the human race. It is just as strong today as it ever was, but we have developed border and better plans to accomplish the same purpose. In this day, behind the impregnable walls of insurance, savings accounts, and dependable investments, we can guard ourselves against the unexpected tragedies that may enter any door and seat themselves before any fireside. There's a quote at the end of the chapter that says, we cannot afford to be without adequate protection. I think that's important when it comes to your finances. Oh, for sure. I think like the walls of Babylon, it's saying that you should build up your walls so you can be protected and so your family can be protected because you shouldn't leave yourself in fear of worrying about what the next thing is going to be, whether or any little mishap or unexpected expense. Or some people just are always living paycheck to paycheck, wondering what they're going to do from this payday into the, into the following week. So when you think of protecting your your money, there's a few ways that you can that you can do that. I asked the artificial intelligence for for a few advice, and he gave us five. The first one was investment diversification. This one. This one makes sense. Everybody talks about it. They said the best way to protect your your investment is to diversify. What do you mean by diversify well they say that you should look at different markets like uh, i don't know let's say commodities um transportation different services you could have are you speaking like, as in when you invest in stock investments or no in all kinds so you could you could diversify by let's say using your money to invest in real estate using your money to invest in stocks using your money to invest in your own business and you know different don't have your eggs in one basket. Have right. multiple streams that your money could make money from. They they say that diversification is good for protecting your money, not for making your money though. To make to make money, you need to focus more. You cannot diversify. Second one would be to establish an emergency fund. This one makes sense. I've read that was it seventy percent? A number like that, seventy percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. I believe that. So that means if something happens, let's say your car breaks down or your tooth breaks, your glasses break, if anything happens, you won't have money to take care of that and you'll probably have to use debt, credit card or something like that. Just curious, why do you think 70% or whatever the number is of people live paycheck to paycheck? Do you think it's because they live above their means and spend more money than they have? Do you think that they... Uh, I don't know. There a lot of reasons. But I think it's just the human condition to... It's hard to see beyond the what's happening now. So planning ahead is... It's counterintuitive. You know, why sacrifice now when the future is not even possible? You know, it might not even happen. It, 
it feels like do you think some people weird. do you think people just haven't been taught that having an emergency fund is a good thing that some people don't realize they should be setting money aside a little bit every week oh but i think no not really i think that all of us know that we should have money aside we, all of us know the things that are good for us and are not good for us we just choose to ignore the ones that are uncomfortable because it's not fun it's not right. fun having to set $50 aside because you want to go to the movies that right. week. It's not yeah, fun yeah. having to withhold. Well, it's not fun thinking about, you know, an accident. Yeah, it's absolutely. Exactly. Another one. Take out, ad take out adequate insurance. Protect your money by acquiring appropriate insurance to provide coverage in unforeseen situations. So mortgage insurance, for example. Yeah, health insurance. insurance cars in car insurance. Car insurance, health insurance. Life insurance. Yeah, vision, dental, all those insurances. What they do, they take, I don't know if it works. Some people argue that it doesn't, but doesn't matter. I, I think if it was fraudulent, we would know if that industry, the insurance industry. Anyways, the idea is that instead of being you, the one who will have to front up the bill for an accident that might happen, instead it's going to be the collective that will, that will pay up. Mm-hmm. And then, well, since uh, technically you would still pay off part of what happened of, of, because you would still have to put in your monthly payment, you know, payment exactly. We still have to do that. I think the most important one would be the fourth one, to maintain a budget and control your expenses. This is what we've been talking about the whole time. Yes. We still haven't seen a budget, though. We have to do that. The... We can tell that the king, well, maybe the king that went to war in the chapter didn't really have, didn't really budget his army. Or maybe he did because there was people there defending it. There just wasn't a lot. He knew that the walls were strong enough. What's the last one? Financial education and professional advice. Hmm. Protect your money by investing in financial education and seeking professional advice to make informed decisions and maximize the growth and protection of your capital. That's definitely a good one. Seek advice. Make sure that you seek advice from the brick maker about brick making. Yeah, don't go to your Uncle Joe who is part of the 70%. <laughs> yeah, and who just continues to live paycheck to paycheck about financial advice. For reals. Wasn't there a story of someone who, someone told us a story of someone they knew? Oh, no, it's in um, another book we read. I believe it was Get Rich Before Mom and Dad. Um, if it's either that one or... Um, I don't think the title matters. The, What's the story? Well, it was that the guy went to his friend and he was asking, so this guy was a real estate investor. And this guy was asking his friend if he wanted to invest with him in this property. Well, then the friend went to his neighbor and started telling him about it. And his neighbor goes, no, don't do that. You're going to lose money. It's a bad deal. So the friend went back to the real estate investor guy that he was friends with and said, no, I'm going to pass up this deal. Well, then the real estate investor guy still went through with it. And he ended up turning around and coming out on top on the deal. And his friend that he tried to go in with him lost out on a bunch of money because he listened to someone who had nothing to do with real estate. Mm -hmm. That's, That's why you shouldn't tell your plans to people. Just don't share them. I think that was Rich Dad Poor yeah, Dad. Yeah, I was. I can remember the title. It was Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, and then the thing is that people will give you the your give you their opinion even though you didn't even ask for it. 
That is true. <laughs> like you'll tell them, you'll say, so <laughs> it's funny because you'll say, all right, my kid has a cold. Should I do lemon with salt or lemon with sugar on the on the remedy? And then someone will come, well, my son beat the cold with this and this and this and that. And they'll never answer the question. They'll they'll somehow they'll take what you said and they'll make it about themselves. And that's usually what happens. You'll tell them what you're saying. You'll tell them something about an idea that you have. And then they'll make it about themselves and bring out whatever noise and background and what do you call those things that happen when you when you're a kid and you have to get over them? When your traumas <laughs> Oh, like because... They bring out all their traumas and they display them. And then you end up paying the bill like the friend in the, in the story. Oh, because the incident didn't go in a positive way for them. Exactly. Is that what you mean? Exactly, so therefore yeah. you're going to hear all the negative about yeah, it? Exactly. Well, I feel like it's not even that always. Some people just don't know what they're talking about and they just do nothing but tell you negative things even if they know if those are true or not. And then it causes you to get in your head and therefore you lose faith in yourself or what you're trying to do. Or maybe you have a solution that would have been the right solution to something. But because somebody put those negative thoughts in your head, you have self-doubt, you start second guessing. But if you talk to somebody that knows about the specific thing you're trying to learn about or asking about, they're not going to do that. They're more or less going to be like positive and uplifting and be like, yeah, this is what you need to do. Or even if they're like, I know about this and I know this isn't going to work, they're going to inform you that it's not going to work. They're not going to just be negative about it. They're going to tell you in an informative way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you can tell the difference. Yeah, there's a saying in, well, where I'm from, Chile, there's a radio. It was the, growing up, there was a radio station that I listened to a lot. And then their motto was, the person who is not informed cannot have an opinion. And I, I honestly like live by that motto. So if you're going to ask an opinion from someone, make sure that they know. You know, I do that. I really like that a lot. I do this thing where sometimes if I'm talking to somebody about, I don't know, something and every once in a while, I'll start saying something about it or maybe what little teeny tiny piece that I know. And then I always stop myself and I go, you know what? I really don't know enough about this topic to really even say anything about it. And then I usually just stop. <laughs> I have, because I have done that before. It's like I might say one one little piece here and there that I know, but then other than that, I'm like, you know what? I really I really don't know enough about the topic that you're talking about. What else can we say about the episode, about the chapter? I think we should all try to be like the walls of Babylon and build up our financial wall so that way we can be protected and we won't have to leave ourselves in fear. Invulnerable. Because you know, that's also very stressful. I have stress about money in the past and it sucks. It is possible to not stress. <laughs> it's actually possible to live a life where you don't stress about money. That's so... It is possible. Oh. But you know, a lot of times in marriages and relationships, that's one thing that as sad as it is, it, it kind of tears people apart sometimes is finances. And it's like, if you could just get your finances under control, how much better that can make your life and everyone else's mm -hmm. life around you. And... I don't think the answer is to is to be like the hermit who gives up the necessity of money because a direct consequence of that is to give it a power. Is to what? To give up power. Like you become powerless. Yeah, you're in, in a way free of the burden of having to depend on money, but at the same time you are powerless. So it, I don't know. To me, the trade-off, it's, it's not. 
is not a good return of investment. I'd rather work so that I can, I'd rather work now, you know, build up my walls like, like Quinn, like the Quinn did. I forgot her name. And Sim- then, and then in the future, say, what's her name? Simiramina? Siramis? Siramis? Simar? I don't know. All right. So it's Simar- like the Queen and Semiramis. Semiramis. Queen Semiramis. Like Queen Semiramis. And then that way I can, you know, I can leave to fight another battle and then my money is going to be fine because it has good walls protecting it. Anyways, yeah. That's all I have to say about this chapter. Me too. I think that's a wrap. Guys, if you can, give it a read yourself. Look it up on YouTube. Listen to it. And we hope you enjoy. Peace. Bye. Thanks everybody for tuning in. The four of us will be back next week with Chapter 8, The Camel Trader of Babylon. I hope you all have a great week. Don't forget to find us on our socials. Happy learning.